You are now listening to the Random Black Person in Canada podcast. On this episode, we are going to be discussing privilege. Um, September 20th is the official date of the election. However, if you want to vote early, that has already begun. So, of course, the candidates for Prime Minister generally are Justin Trudeau, Jagmeet Singh, and of course, Erin O'Toole. Those are the candidates. Those are the choices. And for me, I am choosing to vote for the first time in what I consider my hometown of Ottawa. So, um, as you listen to this episode, I would potentially be in Ottawa as you're listening to it. And it's an exciting time to figure out Canadian politics, of course. Um, for the first time, feeling like I am part of the Canadian fabric. I've been in Canada for 12 years. And to finally be able to participate in the election process just feels super exciting for me. Um, I listened, for example, to the federal debate. Um, I heard what all the candidates had to say. Of course, there's the backdrop that we are in a pandemic, which is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Um, of course, Justin Trudeau in the middle of a pandemic called an election early than required, hoping to gain a majority government. So um, I keep all that in mind as I make my decision. Um, it is not an easy one. It's something I take lightly because, of course, there's so many issues that are on, I guess, on trial here, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, of course, how the current government has handled the pandemic. How do we handle a post-pandemic Canada? And how do we recover economically as a country? So all that weighs in my mind as I do this. Now, the reason why I thought about, um, you know, as I'm discussing privilege today, I recognize fully uh, I'm participating as a Canadian under very different circumstances than I would have been had I just got to Canada. And I think about some privilege a lot, all right? Well, at least more recently, because the disparity between being an immigrant who could not vote and had no choice and hoped that somebody in my position would consider me while making an election choice is vastly different than who I am now making a choice for myself primarily but no longer in that position. So if I was an immigrant, would I vote differently than I am today? Um, pretty much settled, a part of the fabric, very much understanding the environment and the system, etc., etc. And you see, the challenge with privilege in general is that sometimes you don't even know it exists unless you pause to see what the other side is. Privilege is such a huge thing. And of course, this is, this is not just financial. It could similarly be, you know, racial structures, discrimination, etc, etc. And one of the things I've also realized, even as a male, I have male privilege as well in that I live in a world where generally things are skewed in my favor, generally compared to the other gender. So when I think about voting, right, and as obviously with the backdrop as going in, I'm like, well, I no longer have to worry about immigration. I no longer have to worry about, you know, a lot of food, a lot of, um, what's the word, figuring out 
banking systems, figuring out um, salaries and hoping that the government will bail me out if I'm in a pinch. I no longer have to think about that. And so now I have a better appreciation as well for people who decide to vote conservative versus my, you know, liberal thoughts, you know, and I, I start to understand it. Where if you make a certain amount of money, you vote in your, again, understandably economic interest to protect your wealth and that the country doesn't continue to inflate its dollar and that essentially the government balances, it, balances its own books without ripping you off in taxes. And of course, the liberals generally and any liberal leaning government, whether you think it's the NDP, whether you think is the Green Party. And again, I just want to quantify liberal in my context just means NDP, liberals and of course, the Green Party, who are all left leaning um, parties. They all generally expand services of government in order to protect for the population as a whole. Whereas generally, conservatives will try to restrict governments in order to be fiscally responsible. And so I understand why both sides try to do what they do now. I have a better sense of it because I have started to properly understand privilege. Now understand, and again, I fully get that privilege comes with patience, with growth, and certainly with maturity. But really, I, and I talked about this in my last episode where like, you know, once you're 30 plus now, you start to see things a little differently. But I used to see it somewhat slowly and somewhat surely. But I've come to a place where now it just makes so much sense. Privilege comes in a way where you can do struggle Olympics. And when you think of struggle Olympics, struggle Olympics essentially comes down to a place where Say, for example, your friend comes to tell you about how they're having a bad time, whether at work, whether with their partner, whether with setting money issues, whether with, you know, finding a career of their choice. When you turn around and tell them it isn't even that bad for you, that in a way is like, so you had the privilege to have this problem and not complain but the moment someone else complains, you now feel the need to feel among. And that thing seeps into so many conversations. Even the, ra- the, the racism issue where, you know, white people will say not all, not all, you know, all, all white people or whatever, you know, black, black lives matter, all lives matter. That you, you wanted to complain was one thing. You didn't because it wasn't that bad. Now, someone else wants to complain because in their own mind, it was bad enough that they needed to speak out. You had the, the privilege to have that problem but not speak in a way. Now again, obviously, this is a small tangent to the issue. But that is part of what people do when they join you with Struggle Olympics. You, you have a problem, but it isn't pissing you off that much. Now it's pissing somebody else off, and now you want to join. Again, it's a different matter if it's a tribulation. Again, I'm not saying tribulations don't matter. Just want to, again, add that caveat. Trivial issues certainly do not matter. And so now that now bleeds into, again, with the backdrop of the election, where a number of things that I was hearing in the debate would just like straight up was these people fully as politicians are in a place where they want to fight for others, understood. They want to do things for other people, understood. But a number of them haven't lived the experience they're trying to solve. I, for the life of me now, her name skips my mind. 
But the leader of the Green Party, and I can't remember, what is Miss something? Oh, so it's annoying me now because literally it was at the top of my mind right before I, you know, got on the podcast. But now I skipped my mind and I'm sure it's probably come back as I go along. But she did this thing where she was talking about um, soon come. It was a slang she brought up where people were, you know, when you're in a bad scenario, people would just say soon come, soon come, because sooner or later the, the solution will come. So just persevere, persevere, persevere. And I remember, I think it was about the affordability conversation. There was an elderly lady who came and asked the question about, well, she's older, she's not in a good, you know, she, it, she still has to keep working through retirement. And her name, yeah, Paul, Miss Paul, Miss Anime Paul. You see, I, I can knew it. Literally, the moment I keep going, it'll probably come to my mind. But anyway, so Miss Anime Paul was like, you see, the challenge with governments in power, and especially of people who are disconnected from problems of real people, is that for you, you have the privilege to postpone a challenge to the future. And this is a number of things, even with Canadians as well, where the, you know, there's an issue, but like you try to make it like patient, but it's not that bad. You know, racism in Canada is not that bad. I mean, you know, we're, we're a really good country compared to the others. But really, in some scenarios, it's dire. I bring up the affordability discussion, for example, in that debate. And of course, if you want to check it back, you can listen to it. Or you can go check it out. I believe it's on global TV or CBC as well. Then the indigenous issue. Like Canada's relationship with the indigenous people is atrocious at best. Wow, what have we done as a country? You know, there was a part in the conversation too where Jagmeet Singh talked about, um, you know, with one lip Trudeau is saying he wants to be an ally to the indigenous people, with the other he's taking indigenous children to court. And again, obviously I didn't research that because I just like, okay, fair enough, whatever the case, and obviously Trudeau fought it out. But again, it is, <laughs> it was very somehow, just seeing people who are, and again, I'm pretty sure Jogmi means well with the indigenous people. I'm sure Trudeau also means well with the indigenous people. However, they've made it such a side issue, which again, based on priorities, of course, you know, there are people dying um, with the pandemic. How do we resolve that? Rising case numbers, ETC, ETC. But the privilege to almost do it like, well, you know, where we've pledged, and it doesn't, you don't get the sense of urgency. Children were killed at school, at school, for being indigenous people. That, to me, is mind-blowing as to how we didn't immediately, like, you know, like, Wow. Anyways, so I bring that up because, again, similarly, um, September 30th has been declared like a day of reconciliation with the indigenous people. It's a stat. It's supposed to be a statutory holiday, I think. I think. For example, so the Ontario province, so the province of Ontario refused to declare it a statutory holiday. So you would get a time off, paid off, you know, as a holiday. Um, and it was just a very strange thing. So... With all that happening in an election year, and especially an election you know, summer, because pretty much that's what it was. We just woke up one, one day and we were doing an election in the summer. I, it just started to dawn on me like, 
Man, privilege really is something. Again, I've not lived some experiences, but knowing what I've experienced when I first came here, you know, net new people would talk strangely at you because of your accent, because of the way you looked, um, the kind of foods you were looking for, you know, when you're struggling to understand what's going on in society. And I'm just like, um, <laughs> God. And, you know, so now in my role at my job, I'm one of the leaders of my team. And I generally try to make a culture of, you know, um, acceptance, not inclusivity. I, I try not to do that inclusivity thing because I think inclusivity now just becomes such a broad. Okay, maybe I should back up. Okay, so inclusivity is such a huge thing in Canada where people try to do this thing of we will try to include as many different cultures, as many different opinions as we possibly can. We will make a commitment to this. We will also make a commitment to diversity. And we will, you know, generally go out of our way to hire non-white folks. And non-male white folks, actually. That's, let me be very specific. Non-male white folks. Because those have been the dominant um, group that a lot of Canadian institutions have catered to. And as much as people try to be inclusive... One of the challenges that inclusivity has done is we've not made a commitment to accept other people. What they do now, in generally, at least what I've seen in some places, is they will include you but won't accept you. So you are included as a coworker. You are again part of the inclusivity thing. You are included as a teammate. You are included because you're on the payroll, but quite frankly, you don't get to make any decisions that the group is making. You are not a part and parcel of the fabric of the team. You are just another number. You are just another body that we need work with. And quite frankly, your opinion, your sense of worth doesn't matter. You are just another person on the team as far as we're concerned. And so one of the things I've made a decision as a leader now, that's one of the things I also talked about in one of my older podcasts, where what is our responsibility as a group to become part of the group? And unfortunately, when you are privileged, you don't see things like that. You're just like, well, I mean, I guess I included somebody else on the team. So I've met my quota. Cool. You know, you just put somebody on the team. I wanted to hire. I hired, I, you know, I interviewed 15 candidates. This percentage of them were diverse this percentage of them were black people of color. So I've met my quota. I'm being inclusive. The end. Whereas what people were really asking for and the spirit of what we were asking for was to actually be included as part of the group. So I've now made this thing where I also want to be accepted as part of the group. And so now I put an extra effort to accept people on my team. And to make them a big part of the group in terms of contribution, in terms of their ideas, their opinions, and making them feel heard. Now, a lot of times, and keep in mind, I do work with software developers, so a lot of times they just want to be left alone. And that's one of the things I love about my devs. Devs will give you their opinions when it matters, but they leave you alone for the most part because they just want to go do their work. And by the way, love developers for that reason. Like literally, hey, I want to do this, do that, bam. Anyway, side, side note. 
And so back to, you know, the privileged conversation where as one black people, we've, we've not had the opportunity to be privileged to understand how to solve it in quote unquote. So, you know, sometimes when you are in a, when you're not in a position to make the rules, you default to complaining and protesting, which can solve things because essentially you're trying to jolt the system into solving a challenge for you. So you're causing a problem, hoping that they solve the issue you were trying to complain about. That's general protesting, right? Like literally you are going to buck whatever the current system is by complaining, protesting, making your voice heard so that this issue that you know you want solved will get solved. That's one thing. But now, when you come to the table to solve it, how do you, from a non-privileged place, get someone who's privileged to solve a problem they're not directly impacted by? And that in itself is something I'm now thinking about where of all the candidates, and maybe even for myself in the future, maybe if I, for whatever reason, become a thought leader, you know, whatever. If I were to become a privileged person who can then make changes, how would I learn to see the world from a non-privileged perspective such that I solve what that non-privileged person is actually looking for without maybe just doing it for my own conscience. Because quite frankly, I generally think the number of the candidates that I saw on that debate floor were just doing it out of, well, I can solve it, I'm going to do my best. But it didn't seem like it directly impacted what they wanted to do. Again, just my thoughts. I could be wrong. I'm going to vote anyways based on what I think is best and what I hope will work. But, you know, it's just something I'm thinking about going into the election this week. Um, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that any of them is going to do what they say. Trudeau, Chuck Meats, Erin O'Toole is the furthest one from me. I'm not convinced by any of them, quite frankly. And, you know, we're probably going to keep the status quo. I, 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 my bold prediction generally is we're going to come out of this election and Trudeau is going to have a minority government again. Because everything is going to win more seats. Um, the NDP going to probably win more seats. And we'll just continue again. That's my prediction. I think it's just going to be the same thing. <laughs> you know, like literally, the worst thing that can happen is the conservatives usurp the liberals. And at that point, essentially, the liberals just give away the government to conservatives. <laughs> and that would just be a disaster. But I generally just think it's going to stay the same. And in part for me, as I'm voting, I just think all of them just have way too much disconnect from real life. Solve it. Just in the game. That's pretty much it. Till next time.